At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. You're now tuned in to KJ Live. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. Find me on Twitter at PointForwardPro. Today's guest on the show is a guy who is a self-described basketball addict and historian in the making, a youngster that lives, sleeps, and breathes the game of basketball, specifically L.A. Clippers basketball. Let's welcome the dime dropper, Darian Vaziri, to the show. What's up, boy? Thanks so much for having me. Um, I've watched a couple episodes uh, of the show, and there's been some great basketball people on here, so I'm just glad to be added to the list and 
you know, be able to give my insight on things. No doubt, man. I, I got a lot of respect for what you, you, you talk about. I'm following you on Twitter. You're always are, are really engaging. You're answering a lot of questions. You're talking a lot of stuff specifically about the Clippers, specifically insightful type of things that, you know, the normal I don't hear from from normal fans. So that's what kind of attracted uh, uh, me to your Twitter account, my brother. And I felt like we needed to get you on the show. But tell me, when did you first start to fall in love with the game of basketball and the Clippers? So I'd say it started when I was seven years old, when I was old enough to really start playing sports at school. And my uncles were big Laker fans, big time. So they would always be watching basketball, playing in the, you know, the driveway <laughs> of my grandma's house. So, you know, it kind of, I kind of wanted to get better at school. So any chance I got to play basketball at school, I would. And then obviously at night, watch some guys and then go try to do what they do, just like everybody else. Um, and then the Clippers, it started with my first basketball season that I could really remember was 05, 06. And 05, 06, the Lakers had Kobe Bryant and a bunch of role players, to put it nicely. You know, Smush Parker, uh, Luke Walton, Lamar Odom, Kwame Brown, Chris Mim. And so the Clippers, on the other hand, had a team, Elton Brand, Sean Livingston, Corey Maggette, Katino Mobley, these guys. And they weren't, you know, just as good, if not a little bit better that season, but not hyped up enough. And I kind of felt, you know, like the underdog. I right. felt that underdog thing about them. And I was like, you know what? Uh, in my first game, my parents took me to I actually wanted it to be a Laker game that season, but it was a Clipper game. They said it was less expensive. And I remember we lost to the Phoenix Suns and I was like, OK, but Kobe's going to get them, though. I watched Kobe play him like a week later and they got killed. And I was like, man, maybe the Clippers are just as good. So then I started just kind of rooting for them. And I went to a Clipper Laker game in January of 06 and the Clippers beat him up and it was done. You know, I was in for life. So 06 Clippers are really what made me a fan. Okay. You know? Yeah. Elton I, Brand. I, I would have thought the Chris Paul. I would have thought the Chris Paul Clippers would have been the Clippers that would have kind of gotten you to fall in love with him. Look, I was around back in the day. My dad, Marcus, played for the mm-hmm. Clippers. We had the likes of uh, Benoit Benjamin and Lancaster Gordon and Darnell Valentine, Norm Nixon, and Derek Smith is a name you probably never really heard, but this guy was a monster two guard, 6'6", out of Louisville, about 220, hands bigger than Michael Jordan's, um, was averaged about 25 a game, but he blew out his knee. But, I mean, the Clippers were actually 5-0 and to start, I think, the 85-86 season. And my dad, they're playing against the Dallas Mavericks against a game a game in November. My dad gets a rebound, turns and runs into Benoit Benjamin's, like, leg and, like, throws his neck back. And he ends up having to get carried off on a stretcher from the game, a ruptured disc in his neck, ends his basketball career, and that was sort of my lasting memory as a Clipper fan. Now, moving on to today, I want to talk about this year's team. I feel like Ty Lu should be coach of the year this year. He's down two of his best players for basically the entire year. He has the Clippers in the eighth position in the West playing competitive basketball right there. Now, they've taken some bad L's the last couple of nights or whatever, but they're always right there. They've pulled off some a mirror. They, Weren't they down 30 earlier this year? 35. Back. I mean, they've done stuff that on, they've done stuff this year, I feel like, when, I, when I've seen them play, that only well-coached teams do with the level of talent they have. Give me sort of, I guess, on the high level, your thoughts on the Clippers season and Ty Lue, the job he's done thus far. 
Well, I think it's been a, a very solid season. I think we're pretty pleased with it because of everything you said. You know, Ty Lu. we saw glimpses of this last season when Kawhi and Paul would miss games for, I remember it was uh, contact tracing that caused them to miss a couple games. And then, you know, a little couple injuries here and there. And they were able to go into t- games against like the likes of Miami in Miami and win. So this isn't anything new for our squad in terms of playing without Kawhi and Paul. And Ty, you know, kind of instilled that next man up mentality in them last season. And honestly, as you said, you can't be able, you you can't get these kind of wins without being well coached. You know, the thing about our offense is it's not just, you know, like a lot of teams, it's just a lot of high pick and roll uh, floor spread. Um, We have a good amount of creative sets, you know, some off ball movement, you know, getting guys like Luke Kennard uh, involved in different kind of actions and, and guys like, Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, you know, I'll see them get plays, look like they have plays drawn up for them coming out of timeouts and stuff. So Ty does a really good job of getting everybody comfortable. And then defensively, you know, you got to know, you know, like for example, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. defensively aren't the best, but because we know which matchups we want to we want to switch on, which we want to play, you know, drop coverage on, which, which we're going to, you know, hard hedge and recover and all this different stuff, we know where each other needs to be. And Ty does a great job of preparing the guys for that. And also just the effort level. That's the thing, the motivation. And they're motivated. And it feels like when Paul and Kawhi don't play, the squad is that much more vo- motivated. And it helps having young guys like Terrence Manamir, Coffey, Luke Kennard that want to, uh, imp- you know, want to make names for themselves as well. So Ty Lu has just been been unbelievable. And I can't say enough about the guy. When you look at the, the Reggie Jackson and – you know, they call him, you know, they got all type of names for him. He's 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 a he's a crowd favorite, obviously, in L.A. When you look at him and, and then you kind of think about his career and where he was and how this is one of those spots, it seems like, where, you know, a guy just has to get in the right situation with the right coach that believes in him and lets him rock and roll and to really show his true talent. How, like, can can Reggie take the Clippers past the first into the playoffs and past the first round? Or will Kawhi be back in time enough? Or is he? I mean, I don't know what's going on. I need I need some information from somebody that has their finger to, on the pulse of everything. So, I mean, the thing about Kawhi Drop Leonard, a dime for me, brother. The thing about Kawhi is you, no one knows what that guy is up to, and no one knows what his next move is. You saw him yesterday against Golden State, uh, warming up before the game, so that gives us some optimism. Same with Paul George warming up in the practice facility. However, I still don't know because it just may be a safer bet for them given the history of both players to just kind of shut up shop, let Reggie and the, and the younger guys try their best in the play in or the potential playoffs if they make it and then load, get ready for next season reloaded with Norman Powell, who I know you're familiar with as a UCLA player and then Kawhi and Paul and really make a run at this thing next year. But obviously as a fan, you want to see your guys, you know, want to see your team have the best chance possible and, you know, championship windows don't last forever, especially if you're a Clipper fan and you know, being that guy, the teams like the Warriors need to incorporate Draymond back into the fold and Chris Paul needs to be incorporated back into the fold for Phoenix. It kind of makes you think maybe can we maybe we can get them back and and get some rhythm. But we're only around, I think, 17 or 18 games left in the season. So I don't think it's going to happen. And to answer your question about Reggie, if I, I personally think and I don't want to sound negative, but I think if we don't have Kawhi or Paul first round, I don't think we're going to win a series. I just think the West is too good and we're going to have a low seed. Yeah, you got to keep it real. So you don't think that uh, Kawhi and Paul George list Clippers can get past the first round. Presumably, the Clippers would be eight playing the one, um, which would be the Suns, right? So that's mm-hmm. a matchup 
that's pretty shady. But you never know. Let, let me ask you this. What's the biggest difference between the Steve Ballmer era uh, of the organization and the Donald whatever his name was yeah. organization? What's my man's name? That used to, Donald Sterling. Sterling. Donald T. Sterling. Yeah. What's the biggest, not Donald T, but Donald Sterling. What's the biggest difference in just, I don't know, as a fan, right? So Because you, cause you, you go to games and you've been oh, yeah. found... You followed the organization for a while, so you've watched, you know, the, the transition and all that. What's the biggest difference you've noticed? The difference is truly just an owner that cares about winning, you know, an owner that's at the game celebrating like a fan that you, we can relate to that really you can tell wants the Clippers to be something. You know, with Sterling, that's one thing my uncle that was when I became a Clipper fan around 06, he used to tell me, you're never going to win a championship unless Donald Sterling either dies or sells the team. He used to always say that to me. I, and I, I honestly believe wow. him. Yeah, very. I know, very blunt, but very truthful. And, you know, I've obviously heard the stories beyond the racism stuff, but also just the not paying players, you know, not caring about uh, locking up guys, stars to long-term deals. And it made us not be a destination at all. And now with Ballmer, when you have a vision of, a, of, a, of an owner that wants to win championships, you know, we don't get a Kawhi or Paul George if it's not for someone like that. And you can just tell that, I know a lot of my Laker fans friends used to say to me, when Chris Paul and Blake Griffin leave, you're going to go back to being the Clippers again. And I said, and that's not the case because of Steve Ballmer. And he's proven me right. We've we rebounded with two stars, two new stars that are probably even better, that are better than our, our Lob City stars. So Steve Ballmer is just that vision, that wanting to win. And he's, you know, you, you can see in his resume with Microsoft and all the things he's done in his life. Uh, he's a very successful and driven man. Yeah, he's, he's an avid avid sports dude he's passionate um the new arena in inglewood is, is something that's going to be very exciting uh for everybody i think for you guys to get out of the staples center and to not have to play in the shadow of the lakers which can be annoying let me ask you about that you, you know so you have two systems of thought so you have the lakers who are probably going through one of their worst seasons that we can all remember in a mm -hmm. while. Well, not not one of the worst, but just considering the amount of talent that they have and what mm -hmm. was expected, the expectations. Yeah. This is this has been a you know a, a terrible flop of, of a year. Um, when you think about the how Laker fans still walk around and always are telling Clipper fans, hey, you know, there's little brother in you guys, there's son in you guys. Hey, we still got rings. You guys don't have no rings and. Who cares if you won the season series for the second straight year in a row or if you won seven Ty Lue was seven and zero versus the Clippers during the regular season? How do you as a Clipper fan deal with that type of just degeneration from Laker fans? Well, I mean, as Clipper fans, especially living in Los Angeles, we're used to it. You know, I went to school with all these Laker fans and, you know, I think the amount of Clipper fans is going up in the youth because a lot of these kids grew up with Lob City as their first basketball memory and, and that memory of the Clippers being better than the Lakers. But when I was a kid, when, when most of the kids my age got into basketball, it was Kobe and Pau Gasol ruling Los Angeles. So, you know, I was definitely in the minority, and it's tough to hear, but the, the thing I can smile about now is, one, we got back by the first step, that Western Conference Finals that they said we'd never get to. So that's one step. Now the next is to get to that championship. And, you know, I had to put up with, watching my team, you know, choke in the second round endless times. And so now it's like, now that we got that done, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about the future. And I think that, you know, Laker fans are going to keep saying their thing, but the only thing that can really shut them up for good is that championship. You know, they're, they're still going to say they're 17 to one if they, if we win, 
But the thing is, we're not what a lot of Laker fans don't get is we're not competing for the city. That's something that's been established for decades. The Lakers have an empire that's beyond just Los Angeles. But we are just trying to become a respectable organization. We were the worst organization in like pro sports. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We want to be just respected and absolutely a, a championship franchise. And I think that we're on the road to being that because of guys like Bomber and Lawrence Frank and Ty Lue. No, you're definitely on the road. You're, you're, you're well down the road. You're, you're, I don't think you're any pieces away. You're just a few injuries yeah. not happening away. If Kawhi, PG don't get hurt, they play a full season at full health. And I know that's that's a big ask. But if they can do that, you know, the Clippers would be right there as, as, as we, we see those two guys can, can compete with anybody in the NBA. When you say the uh, worst franchise in the league, it, it brought me some memories back to mm. when my dad played for the Clippers back yeah. in, in the mid 80s when Donald, Ster- when Donald Sterling was the owner. They would have training camp, say, like, you know, a, a, sh- a shitty gym at Cal Poly Pomona. They'd stay in Super 8 motels. They wouldn't have practice uniforms and things like that and, you know, have to do their own laundry and things like that. So I I totally get as a fan where you're coming from. I totally understand how much pride you can walk around with now versus like when I was coming up and even during the shady years where it was, you know, you you walk around, you wanted to walk around with a brown paper bag over your heads. But, you know, I say that beating the Lakers seven straight actually means something. I say that all the upgrades and everything that the Clippers fans celebrate, it actually, it's something that you should revel and that you should definitely build upon. It sounds like that you're doing that. Um, Dime Dropper, I I saw you post a lot of videos about the old school. Mm -hmm. It seems like you went down a rabbit hole one day um, and just started, you know, figuring out that, they used to could play basketball back in the eighties. Talk about what your perspective is. <laughs> Talk about what your perspective is on the old generation of hoopers, and whether or not they could compete today. So the way that started was it was actually I've always been a guy that's been into the history of the game, especially the eighties and nineties. There was a lot of like DVDs and hardwood classics out when I was a kid that I used to watch here and there. But then there came a point where I felt like you know I could name every single championship series from 1980 onwards and you know who won finals MVP and I just figured you know I know what I need to know but then when quarantine hit it was actually your son Will who's a good friend of mine that uh, you know he had gone he was going through uh, an injury rehab of his own and he was watching a lot of film on old school players and he was challenging basically everything I thought about the modern NBA like oh everybody's better now you know everyone's so much more skilled and bigger whatever and he was challenging everything I was saying and he was making good arguments and I was like huh he's got a point and the biggest thing that really, really uh, enlightened me about the past was the dribbling. You know, one thing that we see as younger people is the way the guys dribbled in the 60s and 70s and early 80s with their hand on top of the ball. It looks very archaic to us. But what I didn't realize is that's because, you know, dribbling as it was taught back in the day, doing the stuff that we see the guys like Iverson, Kyrie, even literally players like us growing up in. in it was illegal. Mountain. It was illegal. Exactly. exactly. And that changed my whole view because I was like, OK. Now when I watch Jerry West dribble, I'm not looking at what if he's shifting people. I'm looking at how tight his handle is, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, as a point guard, you're taught that, that you got to just protect the rock first and foremost. It's not just about mixing people and getting to spots to score. It, traditionally, it was your point guard needs to be the guy that has the ball most secure in his hand. So Will really put me on. 
And you know, I was I was starting to watch. I told my friend I was like, let's watch some '80s games over quarantine before the league resumes. And I started watching some games of the '80s, and um, mostly it was it was the 1980 finals, the Magic against the Sixers. And I was so blown away by like the skill of these players, and it was different skill. For example, the mid-range game. You know, you got guys like Norm Nixon like pulling up in people's faces like it's nothing, and then Kareem who money. Kareem, exactly. Kareem, I know besides the sky hook, you know, his ability to throw like these outlet passes that are never shown. And then obviously Magic's ability to post up and then also run the break. And then Julius Irving, like his layup package and the IQ of some of these players. And that's another thing, you know, I found myself saying, you know, a lot less, uh, what a terrible shot, you know, a lot more patient uh, about possessions and, you know, cause certain shots that they take nowadays will get you subbed out back in the day. And I remember you tweeting about that actually. So it's just you got to yeah. understand the lens of why they're playing the way they are. And once you understand that, to me, I don't. I think anybody – and I, I think it's bad when people say that players today couldn't compete back then because I also think that everyone is going to adapt to their time. Yes, if you put you know uh, Jerry West in the NBA now, his dribbling looks a little weird, but everything else that he does, his instincts, his, his defense, his pull-up jump shot – Everything else would translate, you know, it's same with, you know, a guy like, uh, for example, let's just use Reggie Jackson. People will throw, you know, oh, put blank role player in the 60s and they'd look like this. You know, Reggie Jackson, I go to the games live. This man, every single time down the court carries for what used to be the 60s and 70s. So the time machine argument, I think it discredits what it takes to make the NBA in whatever area you play in. Because, I mean, it's so hard to make the league. We know this, you know. So I, I don't like doing the time machine. Um, it is fun, though, with the last 30 years or so because that dribbling stuff isn't as different. But uh, when it comes to, like, 70s and 60s and 80s players, some of it can be hard. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, I, but 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 I drop. I think that it's pretty fascinating that the argument around whether or not a certain player can play in a certain generation, specifically this generation, specifically like when Charles Oakley says something about Giannis not you know being a role player, et cetera. My question that I have for everybody that that even engages in that type of conversation is that: Do you understand or take into account how the physical nature of back then? would nullify a lot of today's athleticism, et cetera. Not nullify, but it, it will it will limit. It it will limit. It will limit some of that stuff because it, it will come down to something a lot different than what your generation and this generation has has been raised to think about. Back then the physical fighting aspect of basketball was something that was not enforced or called. And it was something that was embraced. And you had certain dudes that could punk other human beings. So one dude was averaging 30 before he played against this dude. He only had two that night because <laughs> of the way this dude, because of the way this dude got in his head and played him. And that's something I never hear anyone talk about or understand. But as a basketball player, former basketball player that played professionally overseas and at UCLA, I understand that the physical nature and whether or not the ref is calling, that means I'm going to either go for 30 or I'm going to go for 10 that night. You understand what I'm saying? Do you think physicality has any you know, place in the argument or what? Absolutely. You cannot, you cannot discount the rule changes. And I think that's the biggest thing that the NBA media and people need to do a better job of articulating because this is what people don't get. This is the biggest thing my generation doesn't get beyond the dribbling thing. We've seen, if you started watching basketball in the mid-2000s, you've seen the game go from slow to fast, which is, oh, now guys are scoring way more points than 10 years ago. Now the offense is so so much more of an offense league. When I was growing up, you know, you had guys like Eric Dampier and Sagana Jop out there just to be a big body for Shaq. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and listen. Great names. Great yeah, names. Guys, and I'm not saying that these guys <laughs> wouldn't be in the league or anything, but their style of play I don't think is as needed today. But that doesn't take away from them as players. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, 
You know, Correct. rebounding is a skill. Like, for example, I don't see any guys that are offensive rebounders like Reggie Evans anymore. Like, that guy was out there to get rebounds. But, no, absolutely, you know, the league – and this is the most important thing, league direction. We've seen the league go from slow to fast, but the thing about it yes. is – in the 80s and 90s and the 2000s, it went from fast to slow. And I think that's one of the biggest yes. things I'm going to try to try to figure out and dissect on the, on the journey. So what I started doing was I was so intrigued with the GOAT conversation. And I was like, you know what? I think it goes past just Jordan and, and LeBron. I think there's a lot of guys that are so spectacular. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this one year at a time and try to soak up every single game I can in knowledge. So I was like, you know what? Who's the first person in the GOAT discussion? Bill Russell. So I started in 1956 and I'm going each year trying to study everything I can. The footage is limited until you get to around, you know, later 70s. And then the, obviously the 80s There's a lot more, but um, I've tried to watch, I've watched every single full game that exists, which is very minimal uh, from 56 to 71, which is where I'm currently at. And I try to make content in my YouTube channel and Twitter account to, to share the journey with everybody. So right now I know a lot about the 60s, but in terms of that fast to slow thing, I haven't really gotten there yet. You know, the 90s and the 80s and the peak physicality era. So I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, and, and I can't wait to, to do a dive on that because um, I'd, like to, I'd like to bring you back on the show, obviously, to talk about that in depth. But I want to stay on this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, wait, wait, the... the the key thing that you said was the the league direction, I believe, or, you know, what is the influence on the style of basketball during that era? Mm -hmm. It will dictate the type of personnel that you fill your roster with. So you're saying that when the Shaq and the, the, the Dampiers, the Sagana Jobs and, and all that era, it was an era when there was a need for the seven foot bruiser mm -hmm. to come in be an enforcer, get a few fouls, create yep. some space down low, give Shaq the blow, et cetera. Versus today, where there isn't a need for that guy. I mean, you just don't see it anymore. You have to be, if you're a seven-footer, most seven-footers in the NBA now, I see him, I see him got handles like a guard mm. and pulling up deep from three. When I saw Davis Bertans for the first <laughs> time, I'm just throwing this out there. I saw Davis Bertans like, what the hell is going on? He was pulling from 30 feet. And that dude's like seven feet. But yeah. that is sort of the that is sort of the prototype now that we see in the NBA. Um, I guess my point. Uh, with this whole thing is the argument about generations. You can't make it without talking about the physicality. And, and to your point, you can't make it without talking about the the league style, the league emphasis at the time. I have a question. When you brought up Bill Russell, where does he land? And you watched all this film on him and you did a, a deep dive on, on, on Big Fella. Where does he land, in your opinion, on the all-time list? You know, I actually haven't made my all-time list yet because I'm waiting to watch all the film. But you know what? As crazy as this sounds, okay. I think... That's fair. I, That's fair. Yeah, but as crazy as this sounds, I think Bill Russell has as, as, as great a case as almost any player to be the greatest. And here's why I say this. It's not... If you look at his skill set, offensively, yes, he doesn't... He, you know, there's a lot more to be desired from other players. But I think... What Bill Russell was the best at, first of all, in terms of defense, he's the only player that I can think of in NBA history that is a, a leader of multiple championship teams as a non-offense first guy. And I think that people struggle to see the game from the 60s lens in terms of, oh, you look at his numbers. He never led his team in scoring. And in my era, the guy that leads the team in scoring is usually the best player. 
But the thing about Russell is in an era where there's no three-point line, where everything's at the rim, you know, a rim protector is that much more important. And Bill Russell, you know, if blocks were calculated, you, that would do a large service to his his legacy because I know he probably averaged five plus blocks a game because you have to think there's a hundred shots being put up a game in the sixties. You know, that's why the, the scores are so high. That's why Wilt was able to average 50 is because they've shot so many times and that would give him a lot of chances to yeah. block shots. So the thing about Russell is he did everything well outside of really scoring. And that's not to say that he can't score, but he understood that, you know what? Sam is a better, Sam Jones is a better scorer than me. Havlicek's a better scorer than me. And, he embraced everything else, screen setting, you know, um, rolling to the basket on pick and roll. But the thing I noticed about Russell is the Celtics play a fast break style. He gets the rebound and he outlets and they get open mid-ranges <laughs> in transition. And, you know, also rebounding ends possessions. So he does everything super well. And I think that it's because he wasn't the best scorer that made them 11-time champions because there's no, there's no ego, there's no pecking order, you know, Anybody can hit you on the Celtics at any given time. And, and imagine playing for a leader who doesn't care about how many shots he's getting per night. It's just about the W. He's going to do the defense. He's going to be your you know help defense when you get blown by. He's going to get rebounds and look to pass it to you. So I think the Celtics formula he mastered. And also, I always talk about this with Will, and this is something you know from playing sports, the mental side of things. And that's so important. And I think Absolutely. Bill Russell is a monster Absolutely. mentally. I've read his book. Like that guy – Nothing besides winning uh, is, is, you know, enough for him. And plus, he was able to be the coach of his team. You know, Red Auerbach, credit to him, gave Bill Russell the power to coach, be a player coach, and he was still able to win. And just, just the fact that he basically has no blemishes in terms of winning and losing on his resume uh, and is so, so great at everything else and, you know, such a case for best defender ever in terms of being able to move his feet and protect the rim, I think Bill Russell is, is extremely underrated because I think that people – look at his lack of scoring and think that automatically disqualifies him. But, you know, he won at, time and yeah. time again. So I think that Bill is uh, is up there with anybody. No, for sure. Uh, the thing about Bill that stands out when I've looked at, and I haven't watched every game from, uh, you know, in his career, but not that I've much, watched to be a ton of footage. Yeah, and I've watched a ton of footage on him. And what stands out is his speed, his end-to-end yeah. -end speed. And when you talk about getting that board and those two funny quick dribbles, but he's almost at half court and he's kicking it and you got the shooters right mm -hmm. there right, ready to stop and pop. I mean, that was a, – a, a lot of people get this idea when they when they talk about the 60s and 70s. Like they talk about it like they weren't shoot, score, uh, shooting 100 shots a game. They mm -hmm. talk about it like it was some – slow down, you know, let's control yeah. the pace and the games are, are low. No, that's what this fallacy or this, I don't know where that idea, it's a myth though, that when people really talk about it and you, and you really look up, um, excuse me, when people really research it, you have these revelations like, wait a minute, they were doing that back then. Mm -hmm. Sort of like when I had the revelation, I had, I had a revelation or two about one Wilt Chamberlain. Mm -hmm. um, recently, recently I, I found some footage on YouTube, on the Wilt Chamberlain archive. Great channel. Great uh, channel. From Wade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that channel. So back in the day. So you've probably seen this. But mm. if you watch, right, they have all the Wilt shots, all the Wilt's plays. So if you watch, I saw Wilt in maybe 19, I don't know, late 50s. I saw him do a fadeaway jumper. I saw him push it coast to coast, jump in the air like magic with his legs out. Like magic, and throw a no look, 
I saw him do a move in the post where he caught it, but it's this little like pitch pass with two-handed pitch pass they do mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. But it's like these unique, well before their time type moves that I'm watching a young seven one, 260 pound absolute gazelle, fastest dude on the floor. And and here's the fallacy. Here's what people think uh get confused about Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, he was just dunking on people back then. They talk about what was just dunking. Yes, he dunked. I I watched about 150 different reps of Wilt Chamberlain turn around 15 footers off the glass, dog. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about t- I'm talking about touch. Yeah. No, okay, sure. you talking about that that look. Hey, you see the funny shot they got Wilt? Wilt hit that little funny jumper. For I'm sure. like, man. I was like, what? I was like, I was like, dog. Wilt actually was a shooting cat. Like, yeah, where are people talking about? I'm like, why do people get this idea? But anyway, that, that all that being said, man, I feel like people like yourself that uh, are in your generation, right? That actually do the research and actually do the work and actually educate themselves, and then have a voice and a platform to talk about this stuff in a fashion that isn't uh, degrading to the older generation, you're going to get a lot of respect and you're going to get a lot of ears and eyes on you is because you coming in with, and it's all, it's it's the only thing our generation wants. Just show us a little bit of respect coming in. Mm -hmm. Just don't talk stuff about us when you walk in the gate. Just say, Hey man, it was the style of play during your time, man. You were a baller. That's all you got to say. Like, don't, you know, well, I don't know if you could have did this or that, or, you know, you couldn't and that's, I think that's the part, Dime Dropper, that why there's such a big kind of beef sometimes between a generation. I know y'all call us boomers or whatever, but I want to hear from you and your generation because you're my son's generation. Yeah, like, what do you exactly. think the beef is? And what do you, how do you, how, how do you look at our generation as far as like hoopers are concerned? Oh, I'll tell you. I think, I think, so by the way, before I say that, I wanted to say something about Will Chamberlain, my revelation of him. I didn't realize, I thought he used to just bully smaller defenders. I didn't realize, and I think this is part of the reason why, mixed with that, I know that, I know weightlifting was not recommended uh, back in the day at a certain time um, for basketball. I'd say it would mm-hmm. mess up your shot and whatever. But um, I also know that mm-hmm. back in the day, they didn't let guys just like bully and lower their shoulder and just destroy people. I know Naismith wanted a finesse game, and I know that the league at the time didn't yes. want it to just be a game of brute strength. So, you know, a lot of times guys that'll look thinner back then people be like look how skinny he is he couldn't play today well dude if they played today they would lift you know what i'm saying like this was purposeful because also and and kareem talked about this in his first game they said oh walt bellamy and and wilt are so much stronger than you they weigh more than you how do you think you're going to be able to keep up with the physicality he said well i think it's going to be an advantage of mine because i have less less weight to carry and i can go back and forth and i think that just goes to show you the the way the game was played and how brute strength. And so that's, that's the craziest part that Wilt averaged 50 without just trucking guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? If he was able to do what Shaq does, I think they would have had to kick him out of the league or something. Like he would have been so good, but no. Yeah. So props to Wilt. Uh, he's incredible. But the reason here's my answer to the era war. There's a war that's been created and it's been going on since I was a kid yes, and it's maximized now. And I'll tell you where it started to me. <laughs> it honestly, and I hate to say this, I think it started with you guys and a lot of people saying, Guys like LeBron, Blank, will not be able to survive against teams like the Knicks of the 90s or the bad boys, and they would just get hit in the mouth, which caused a lot of people in my generation to say, well, guys are more skilled now. You only did that stuff because y'all couldn't defend. So that was the only tactic you had, which is just total BS. I just think that 
that because of those comments, now you have kids in my generation who don't know the context of the dribbling, the the guys being a little bit thinner uh, in the eighties and before, and all that. Oh, you know, why are guys sagging off so much? You know what I'm saying? The thing is, a lot of those guys that are being sagged off could shoot, but if you come up the court and just shoot a pull up and miss without working the ball inside or working the ball around, that would sub you out of a game. So they don't look at right. the lens. They'll watch games and look for stuff to nitpick. They won't look at games and try to watch them from a person in the 80s. And the problem is when you have those those guys that are kind of dissing or questioning players of today and their mental and physical toughness, you have guys that are questioning the skill and talent of the past. Uh, for me, I think right. that the 80s and 90s, and honestly, players of every era are, are hoopers and fantastic players. Um, all I see are NBA players. You know what I'm saying? That's all I see. I think some players today, I think players today are better in certain aspects. And I think players in the past are better in certain aspects. Like, I'm sorry, but one thing that the modern fan doesn't account for is the post game. And know, that's something that playing with Will is really, right. was awesome because he's a guard that likes to post up. And, you know, yeah. like, and I know I've heard that you were kind of a, a fairly post up player. I got to watch your tape though. Um, uh, all day. I, I started. I started off as a postman. Yeah, all day. So that's something. I the reason why I admire post up play so much is because I, being a smaller guard, was never taught it and never could had the strength to do it. And I know how hard it is. And you know, I grew up with Kobe Bryant, who was literally a maestro post up and face up. And I think when you got guys that can do both, Facts. like him and Michael Jordan. Uh, it makes it so much tougher to guard them because the thing about it, like you got your Davis Bertans of the world, your Porzingis's, but then we go small and we switch small guys onto them and then they look like deers in headlights. And it's like, okay, what's all that skill really getting to you when it comes down to playoff time? If you're 7'3 and you can't take advantage of a mismatch, it's like that will get you laughed at at the park. So like, you know what I'm saying? I think that uh, I have so much respect for the old hoopers uh, for sure. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as a best era. I think that the best era is up to your preference as a fan. Um, my favorite era, you know, I think my favorite era is actually probably eras before I was alive. I think it's either the eighties or the nineties. And when I watch them, I'll know for sure. But, uh, for me, this era is a little bit too much three point shooting. And then my two thousands was a little, a little slow, a little ISO heavy to me, but I love them both. I just think that, uh, eighties and nineties will probably be my, the mix of the fundamentals and the modern skill that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an 80s baby. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up on 80s basketball. And so that that style and if you toward the end of the 80s and the early 90s, things start to slow down. But in the beginning of the 80s, things were moving pretty fast. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I remember watching my I remember watching my dad's old films uh, when he played for the Milwaukee Bucks and watching that offense and how they played and just kicking it up the mid range jumper was just such an, a fascinating weapon. And it's because, man, that generation grew up without the three. Mm-hmm, so exactly. they didn't have the three. They didn't They didn't have the, necess- the necessity for the three. So they weren't tripping on the three. But, man, these conversations like this are really fascinating, dude. I think we need to do this a little bit more often. But, but, but listen, I want to segue into something else. Mm-hmm. Being that we are in the city of Los Angeles, we got to talk about the Lake Show. Mm-hmm. And the shit show mm-hmm. that's going on over there. I ask you this from a strictly a basketball perspective. Let's forget about all the off court stuff and clutch running the Lakers and LeBron was the GM and all this. Strictly from a basketball perspective, why do you think things have not worked for the Lakers? The first thing is injuries. You know, I don't want to be the guy that's necessarily making excuses, but when you get a big three that are all on basically max contracts. 
you're going to only have vet minimum slots to fill out your roster. So when you miss a key piece of that component, like Anthony Davis, who literally is their defensive anchor, you are going to have to ask a lot of other guys, but also a lot of your stars. And I think, you know, Russ and LeBron, there was always questions about how that would fit because, you know, when you look at the point guards LeBron has played with, they're guys that are a little bit more comfortable without the basketball. Mo Williams, you know, a guy that was on my Clipper team, really good catch and shoot guy, can work quick off the catch. Uh, Mario Chalmers, you know, spot up shooter. And then Kyrie Irving was more of a score first guy that, you know, I know LeBron likes to have another score to defer to, whether it be a Wade or AD. But he's he usually he's usually the commander yeah. in chief of the offense. Russ has also been that guy right. for all his teams, except for when he was in Houston for a year. Right. And you know they made changes to their roster, the Rockets, to try to accommodate him. You know, trading Capella and all this, and he was playing great. But it has been a and the, the main thing to me with the Lakers is, especially when AD doesn't play, LeBron and Russ in the half court together isn't a very good fit. The, what they needed to do was get out in transition. But the problem is they struggle to get stops, you know, majorly struggle to get stops. They don't have switch everything personnel. They have to play a lot of the pick and roll straight up. And a lot of their guards die on screens. And that's Russ and Malik Monk. Um, they literally, so then that brings the big man up to have to basically play two guys at once. And that always needs, you know, rotation from the corner. And if those aren't sharp, that's layups and buckets. And then you got right. the Lakers taking it out of their own basket, playing half court all the time. So I think that that's really what's what's killed them. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, no, but I mean, look, obviously the synergy on offense has been extremely challenging. And this is something that everybody talked about in the preseason. Everybody wondered out loud, how was this going to work between Westbrook and LeBron? Was LeBron going to change up his style? Was Westbrook going to change up his style? We see that neither has changed up their style and it has failed miserably. The The thing that I am most disappointed about and this is just from a basketball perspective, is the way that I feel like Russell has approached this entire situation. He's kind of, you know, devalued the meaning of a championship. And, you know, just it's just a game. And I was listening to another podcast, Basketball Illuminati. They were going in and in and on and on about, uh, you know, Russ and, and the things he's done to alienate himself. I, I feel like there's some type of, there was a fragmentation that took place with them guys as a unit um, because no one is going to break. No one is bending. No one, you know, and I can't blame LeBron this time. Um, I never blame LeBron ever in my life for anything. And I won't start by doing so now. And he's played his butt off. As you said, AD has been hurt. Russell, there's a, like Magic was saying, there's a style of basketball that Russell Westbrook can play. That's conducive to winning. Do you think, or do you get the sense that the Lakers are ready like to shut Russell down like Kendrick Perkins alluded to? Or is this thing 17 games, let's pay him out and let's get him out of here. We're going to try to move him, move this big old contract. Well, <laughs> that would be crazy if they shut him down. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Russ is. is, is oh, that's what Perk said. That's what Perk said. I, I, didn't say, I, I know I that's say. what Perk said. <laughs> But, um, you know, I think that's – I know Perk um, – I, th- I think that's his opinion, though. I don't think I – if that's in the cards, man, that's news to me. But Russ, I don't think he's going to get shut down because, you know, I just think he's he's competitive and he wants to go out there and play. And the, the thing is, I really don't know. The thing is, you'd think that it would help. I mean, that it would hurt, but there also have been moments where Russ, you know, hasn't played. He's played most games this season, but there's, there was games where he didn't play. Like, for example – you know, the game against the Portland Trailblazers, LeBron and AD played and they were playing against a bunch of kids, some of which I'd never even heard of yet. And and Westbrook wasn't playing and, and they still lost. So it's just very, very, um, it's a circus. Yeah. It's really, a, and also I, I hate to blame coaches, but I don't think Vogel has done a be- the best job either. I think he has a roster that does not suit what he, his philosophy. He's a defense first guy. And, and a lot of these guys are like offense, like hit or miss offense guys. Like, you know, I love Carmelo Anthony, but He's the type of guy that if his shot's not falling, how else is he going to contribute to your to your team? You know, Malik Monk, you know, he's been awesome this season, but he's not much of a defensive guy. That's why I think Austin Reeves has really seen more playing time lately because he's one of the few players in the team, you know, two-way. You know, we know he's going to give you on both ends. So 
it's 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 really all about you know why hasn't yeah why hasn't i'm sorry to interrupt you why hasn't tht lived up to his promise i think tht has struggled because in the beginning of the season and this this actually backs up my vogel thing you know you had deandre jordan starting to begin the year at times and that just wasn't didn't really make sense and then you had tht starting with russ and lebron who are two very on-ball guys, and that puts THT off the ball, and he is not doesn't move without the ball, and he doesn't um, he's not a great catch and shoot guy. That's not his game. He likes to you know play in pick and roll, get downhill, you know seek out mismatches himself. So I think that the adjustment that Vogel has made, maybe just a bit too late though, bringing him off the bench has helped him, and it's going to continue to help him. And I don't think that THT is going to like. Whether he's on the team next season or not, I don't know. But I still think he's going to have a very solid NBA career. But I think that's all it was. You just, you know, playing him with Russ and LeBron in the same lineup just doesn't benefit him at all. Um, I think that he needs to be on the ball and run that second unit, which he's been doing. Do you think? Do you think that the 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 prospects of playing with his son will motivate LeBron to leave the Lakers franchise and go somewhere where he can? lay the foundation for Bronny in a few years after this season, he can leave, he'll leave LA or whenever his contract is up. I'm not sure. Next season is his contracts up next season. Um, you know, with LeBron, with LeBron, he's, he's been pretty unpredictable with these moves. You know, I didn't see him going back to Cleveland the first time. And I definitely didn't see him going to the Lakers, even though there were rumors about it. I just didn't think that he would do that when they, they really had done nothing to, to say, hey, we're building a winning team over here. You know, it was it was a rebuilding situation, and they had young players, and their front office in terms of like the management wasn't in the best spot. Um, but he still went there, so you know, it's really hard to predict. I think that he will still play next season with the Lakers. Uh, that will be Bronny's senior year. That will be actually very interesting. You know what LeBron does after the contract expires next year. And here's the thing: a lot of Laker fans, I know it's been you know not taken seriously, but I've heard some of my friends that are Laker fans saying, you know, we should look to trade him next season because if LeBron leaves for free, which, you know, LeBron's never been traded. If he leaves for free, it's like, okay, now we're left with Anthony Davis who has his injury issues. And now what, you know what I'm saying? And so what can, what can, what can you get for, for LeBron, a 38, 39 year old LeBron James? What can you get for him? I think you get some, some, either definitely some picks or some young players because at the end of the day, LeBron James can still oh. help. He ain't the normal 37-year-old. He can help – or 38-year-old. <laughs> he can help you win right now. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, for example, uh-huh. if, you put, if you put him on the Cleveland Cavaliers, who's been, who've been such a pleasant surprise and fun watch this season, if you put him on the Cavaliers, they're instantly a championship contender now as opposed to just a team that can make some noise in the why? playoff. But why? But, but, but why? But why? But why would they be instantly a championship contender when you have – now the, the development of Darius Garland is going to be stunted. Yep. Now LeBron's going to have the rock. Darius Garland Darius right. Garland is a big reason why the Cavaliers are doing what they're doing now. That guy is one of the – like literally one of the top point, young point guards in the league. I just feel like sometimes LeBron's style, it is not – I mean, ah, it, it's frustrating. It's I frustrating because he I know want it. it. <laughs> he want it. You know, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. And honestly, I was just thinking, you know, they'd be considered championship favorites by media. But you are right. You never know. It could yeah. hurt because I think LeBron works best with guys 
that are like either you know really good screen and roll guys or pick and pop guys like you know big z and him in the pick and pick and pop was like awesome the first seven years of his oh, career yeah. beautiful, and, uh, beautiful and guys yes, and catch yes. and shoot guys but when it comes to guys that like to rock with the ball a little bit they always have to take a bat like a little bit of a hit with braun and that sometimes can be tough for them and i think that's what you've seen with russ although lebron has given russ some chances and he just still hasn't been able to get going but you're right if you, if you go to a cleveland you know darius garland could be like yo like you know what i'm saying this was this was my thing i agree with that it, it- and I hate to keep blaming and piling on Russell Westbrook, but gosh, when like you say, when LeBron is taking the back seat, Russ has had the opportunities. You know, Russ has done some things where I'm just scratch, left me scratching my head, and he's actually making plays at this stage in the career, in his career, that are kind of dumbfounding. Um, things don't, like that are routine plays, like you know outlet passes or, you know, entering into the post lazily and then get it, then throw it away. I mean, not, you know, you know, they're highlighting him on ESPN the other day. He literally like was standing around for an entire possession on offense, kind of like crouched up watching like rebounds go by. I'm kind of like, what's going on with Russ? Perk alluded to the fact that he's checked out. I don't know if he's checked out, but I do know that, you know, all this stuff, you're playing in L.A., you're from L.A., you're born here, you're raised here, you're big in the community, and now fans are booing you. They're calling you West Brick. Your wife is attacking Skip Bayless on Twitter. Things are the lowest they could possibly be for Westbrook, but the only way for him to get out of this dime dropper is to what? To play well. Yeah, exactly. I think also – you know, obviously his confidence is, is completely shot right now. I think that one of my one of my basketball philosophies, though, is if your best players don't guard, you guys aren't going to do anything. Um, I think that when it really yeah. all starts to me, even though Anthony Davis is not playing, and it, it's, a, it's a question, given their age, how much they can bring on that end defensively, LeBron and Russ. But when LeBron and Russ, in the there's been some moments this season where they do lock in where Russ is fighting is, is, you know, Will always tells me he's like, the Lakers, all they do is stand up on defense. And that, that's kind of true. You know, when Russ does get in a stand <laughs> fight over screens and LeBron is sharper on his rotations, that creates more fast break chances and, and gives and pushes momentum. You know, basketball is a game of runs and the Lakers just don't seem to make many runs unless they're down. But when they make those runs, it's because they get stopped. So you know, the thing is, I think, you know, people will say, but they got to carry a load on offense. I really think the Lakers have, offensive guys like I know they have some guys that are three and no D or like um or hitter like Wayne Ellington Trevor Ariza like these guys sometimes and Ariza was a great role player in his day but you know these guys are just not very consistent from beyond the and Avery Bradley too not consistent from beyond the arc and have not been good enough defensively to warrant their uh, their place on the floor despite their inconsistent shooting but when Russ and LeBron step it up on D you see them, you know, again, when you get more stops, you get more, those misses don't become as big because you're getting more chances, you know, to, to either tie the score, take the lead or whatever it may be. So, you know, when, it, when, when they can lock in on defense, and that's what I want to look at when they play the playing game, especially if they get Anthony Davis back because he gives you so much more assurance. If the, if the if it starts from the top, if they step it up, I think they can still make some noise. Um, but overall, yeah, the but, roster, it's just, it's just been a but, circus. But ke- no, nah, you got to keep it real, though. It's like, can we take some years off these guys' body to make them have younger legs so that they feel like rotating that much quicker on defense? You feel me? Do, do, can we take some years off of Russ's knees so that he feels like being in a stance for 25 minutes of the game instead of zero minutes for the game? I mean, yeah. these are questions that the answer is no. The answer is no. We've seen it. The experiment, I just feel like, has failed. 
and, and there's no way out of this. You got to cut your losses, finish the year strong. Hopefully, Russ can finish this year without getting into any more embarrassing or any type of, you know, just embarrassing conflicts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, nah, man. But hey, uh, Darian, Dime Dropper, it's been a pleasure and, and a, tr- a lot of fun, man. Shop, chopping it up with you about the game, bro. I want to do this again. Uh, at some point, man, we, we bring you back on periodically, man, to talk about, you know, whatever's going on and we need to talk about, man. Um, tell the good folks out there where they can find your podcast, you on Twitter, your YouTube, give them all your info. Absolutely. Um, this was a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. I am definitely looking forward to more. Definitely got to get you on mine as well. That was in the cards as well. Um, but so you can find facts, me facts. on TikTok. Dime, uh, that's not really a big platform of mine, but TikTok, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. Uh, um, and then YouTube is my main platform for video posting. So every time I go to a Clipper game, I post it. Most Clipper and Laker games, I go live. And mind you, I'm not a Laker fan, but I've always grown up watching Laker games. So I give a perspective from somebody who's watching them as if I was a Laker fan. And then obviously the Clipper side of things. And I also talk about other teams as well, just not on a week-to-week basis. You know, I'll answer questions about them. Uh, if something a big news, something sure. happens, I'll talk about them. And then in the playoffs, I'll literally watch every game and talk about it. So, And then obviously my... I didn't get to tell you this, but one of my plans is when I'm watching the full tape of these old games, uh, Kobe's show detail kind of inspired me to kind of like break down the film sure. and what I'm seeing from my lens. You know what I mean? What differences in the game I'm seeing. So I've made four videos on that. Uh, 69 all-star game, Kareem's first game of his career, uh, Nick's game seven in the 1970 finals. And then the recent one was pistols first game uh, against the bucks in 70, 71. Okay. So going to keep making those as we go on on the yeah. timeline to share with people and uh yeah that's where you can find me though twitter instagram at dime dropper pod and then a podcast dime dropper podcast on spotify and apple man we appreciate you doing all this good work uh the basketball community appreciates you Thank you got some pretty cool followers definitely some, some cool followers some notables some notables in the game follow this cat he's, a, he's sure. a wise young mind uh we appreciate him coming on yo shout out Dime Dropper, Darian Vaziri. Appreciate you, my man. Appreciate you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash slash iHeart. 
Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.